0: Alan Redpath has an interesting quote about this kind of behavior. He says, You know nothing of the wiles of the devil until you are out and out for God and for souls. The measure of his concern about you is governed by the measure of your abandonment to the Lord. So Redpath says, When you start becoming devoted to the Lord and start serving him, the attacks are going to intensify.
1: This is Cross Reference Radio with our pastor and teacher, Rick Gaston. Rick is the pastor of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville. Pastor Rick is currently teaching through the book of 2 Kings. Please stay with us after today's message to hear more information about Cross Reference Radio, specifically how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Now here's Pastor Rick with part two of his message called The Voice of Satan in 2 Kings chapter 18.
0: He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. Well, we'll come back to his rebellion. But in the midst of it, uh, he's taking territory back from the Philistines. There's that phrase from watchtower to fortified city. You know, it's a thorough campaign that he launched. He attacks the Philistines. This is in fulfillment. To Isaiah 14. Yeah, you get to Isaiah, you read chapter 14, and some of the other chapters, through 28 and all, you're like, boy, this is tough reading. Well, but there's prophecy in there. And it's a fulfilled prophecy. And this is, this is one of them. Uh, Hezekiah. He finishes the work that his grandfather, his great-grandfather, Uzziah, began. Is Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and then Hezekiah. And his great-grandfather started to work against the Philistines, and now he finishes it. And the Philistines don't become a great threat after this. Verse 9, now it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. So the chronicle goes back again to before the northern kingdom was uh, completely overrun, and he's now talking about the siege. Just a brief rundown of the Assyrian kings. Tiglath-Pileser, he comes against Ahaz, makes him a vassal king of Assyria. Shalmaneser comes against Samaria, the northern tribes, and besieges them, his son. Evidently, Shalmaneser dies before the, the, the siege is complete. a three-year siege. Sargon, his son, conquers Samaria, takes them into captivity. Then Sennacherib comes into power, and he attacks, uh, he subdues Hezekiah. Now he's going to attack him for not paying tribute. Hezekiah will then pay tribute, but then later he comes back again. And it's going to be kind of interesting to try to get through why, why does he come back again? Because it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't make it that clear, but there are there are very strong clues. Anyway, when he comes back that second time, he is defeated by the Lord and 185,000 overnight of his troops are slain, forcing him to retreat. Verse 10. And at the end of three years, they took it. That's Samaria. Samaria. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is, the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel, Samaria, was taken. Now, I purposely leave out the overlapping of the kings. Sometimes, you know, uh, Ahaz is, you know, king, but he's really not ruling. His son is also king, and they're, they're sharing the throne. Uh, and, and this is quite common, but it's confusing enough <laughs> without throwing that in. So I, I'll just leave it out because it really doesn't change much. Every now and then it might might be an element to to pause over, but overall, it's just more confusion uh, from the way I see it. Verse eleven, although I think the commentators in written form they should go into these things, uh, very helpful. But as far as from uh, speaking about it, it could be heavy duty. Verse eleven. Then the king of Assyria cried, uh, carried sorry, Israel away captive to Assyria and put them in Hala, and by the Hebar, the river Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes, because they did not obey the voice of Yahweh their God, but transgressed his covenant, and all that Moses, the servant of Yahweh, had commanded, and they would neither hear nor do them. So again, the historians not letting any of uh, the future generations lose sight of what happened, We see this today. I mean, we even have a, you know, remember the Alamo. Uh, I think this is about rental car prices. But no, of course not. (laughs) Uh, But anyhow, uh, the fall of the northern kingdom is restated here. Now we switch back at verse 13 to Assyria coming against Hezekiah with, with force for the first time. In verse 13, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah... Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Well, it's about seven hundred and fifteen years before the coming of Christ. The second one will be at about seven hundred and one years, so about a fourteen-year gap. This is about eight years after Samaria fell. That's where we are. So there's a lot of time in between these events. If you read them, they seem like they just happen dovetailing one into the other, and that's not the case here. Between the invasions, we'll get to a little bit more about this first one in a moment, but Hezekiah, after this first invasion, he's going to get very sick, and God is going to heal him miraculously. But with both Chronicles and Kings puts this at the end of his life. And so the chronology is out of water again. Because when he gets healed, the Babylonians come to say, hey, we just want to bring you some flowers and chocolate and say, we're glad you're well. And Isaiah's like, what did you show them? He said, I showed them everything. He said, you nipwit. nitwit. You weren't supposed to do that. And I'm now, now it's going to be a problem. Now Babylon's going to get strong and they're going to come take it all. And the guy's going to say, we're well, going to do it in my lifetime? No. Whew. <laughs> well. Okay, let him have it. Uh, so not quite like that, but yeah, that's how it was. So we, again, we're kind of all over, but it's part a big part of the story. Because Assyria, they know what's happening in Israel. They've got their spies, and they find out these Babylonians are coming down. They're saying, hey, you know, Judah is at it again. And, you know, going to Egypt, now they're making deals with Babylon. Babylon's not strong yet. Babylon's way from being strong, but the ba- but she's building up, and Assyria knows this. Eventually, almost 200 years from here, Babylon will be the world force and will take out Assyria. Anyhow, it's interesting, in the annals of Sennacherib, he has this stone carved with details about much of what transpired between these two kingdoms and others and he says he took 46 cities and 200,000 captives from Judah and it would be at this time because again the armies of the the Lord wiped them out later but it's at this first invasion when he's taking all these fortified cities Uh, that's where you have to put that I think some of it is debatable, but not much. Much of it is you do the research, you, you have to come to, okay, this is, this is the puzzle that fits. Otherwise, you have bigger questions. So if you, if you put, for example, this wipeout by the Lord of the 186,000 men at the first invasion, then he's not going to come again. <laughs> he's wiped out. So it has to be a second invasion. So let's, let's cover it. Verse 14. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So you see, uh, the king gives in. Hezekiah, the good king. He sees these cities being wiped out. and he said, he's going to come to Jerusalem and get us too." So this is not when the 185,000 Assyrian troops are wiped out overnight. This is years before that. So why, uh, why did God not come to Hezekiah's aid if he was such a good king at this time? Well, there are damage in the, in the land of the idolatry that the people brought upon themselves. And even though the king is instituting reforms, doesn't mean the people are on board. Look, at when Josiah comes along, he does the same thing. But as soon as he dies, you get these four rotten kings and everybody cheering them on, making life miserable for Jeremiah and Baruch, his his faithful uh, assistant. So uh, this is a judgment, and it cannot be bypassed. God is, is filtering out the idolaters in his land. There are still lessons for God's people to learn, and they're going to learn them like this because they are God's people. They are held to a higher standard. Men, you are held to a higher standard by God, and thus the, 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 the temple tax placed upon the men, the shekel, for the men to pay. What if, What if Hezekiah decided to trust God right here and not give in? Well, I think we got, would have got the same results we got last time. But well, what changed? What made him change That's so that when they come back a second time, he doesn't give in like he's giving in this time? Well, I think the sickness. When he gets sick and God says, I'll give you 15 more years, he's almost said to him, like, like Peter, you know, you're going to be old when you die. You know, he, well, he comes back and him and Isaiah had to have said, look, God has given your life back to you. You've got 15 years. These Assyrians coming down, you're here to fight them. Don't give in. I think was a big part of them looking at what God was doing with their lives and then doing something with what God had done with their lives, both he and Isaiah. I, and I think that's one of the great parts of the story is you, we have monuments in our life where God did this for me and God did that for me. It's the whole story of the Jews in the wilderness when, when they were told God didn't lead you out the promised land is to kill you in the wilderness because that's what they were complaining have you left us out of the, Egypt to kill us out in the wilderness what kind of thinking is that so that's where we extract these lessons and we connect these dots from the stories that we have preserved for us so this uh, fact that Hezekiah uh, gives in I don't fault him for it. what would you have done If you were the king and this juggernaut of an army is coming through, and by this time in history, the Assyrians are vicious people. They are not just, okay, take the prisoners, sort them out, and sell them. They're skinning people alive. They're making an example about people. They're torturing them in the most horrific ways. The Jews know this. They are taking some captive, for sure, but they also are leaving examples all over the place. And there are other historical accounts outside of the scripture that attest to this. Well, again, a severe trial, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Some calculations come up with 11 tons of silver and a ton of gold. And it may have been just just overwhelming to the kingdom, uh, which... Well, let's continue. Verse 15. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of Yahweh and in the treasuries of the king's house. So again, he gives in this time. Alan Redpath has an interesting quote about this kind of behavior. He says, you know nothing of the wiles of the devil until you are out and out for God and for souls. The measure of his concern about you is governed by the measure of your abandonment to the Lord. So Red Path says, when you start becoming devoted to the Lord and start serving him, the attacks are going to intensify. I can attest to that. Uh, I could sit down under a nice cherry tree and just sit back and say, I remember when I was just in the pew. Christianity was, you know... It's just a whole bunch of fun. Well, that's for amateurs. <laughs> you could say you know, to yourself, you have to say something. Say, no, oh, you're in the thick now. And so if you, you who serve, if you serve Christ, you are going to draw, you're going to draw fire more than the one who is not. Although the one that's not serving is also under pressure. I don't want to make no one, None of us get away unscathed. You have the pressure of feeling like you know you should be doing more. Anyway, just uh, ramblings from the life in Christ, we know it is worth it, because if other Christians had not suffered before us, then what Christianity would have been around for us to enter into? What has kept Christianity moving forward through the centuries are faithful Christians who suffered and died for the faith, even in the Dark Ages, they were believers, true believers. We just are very grateful for uh, the martyrs that have gone before us. All of this served to strengthen Hezekiah's faith in God, not men. And as I mentioned, he he recovers as Peter recovered. Listen to what listen to what he will say at the next attack, years later, when Assyria comes again. He says this to his commanders. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us is Yahweh our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So you couldn't put those words at the first battle where he's sending the gold to him. This is the second time. I'm just reading, getting ahead of it a little bit. Now, as a Christian, you come along and you face some monstrous challenge, some awful thing. And you start using these words. Be strong and courageous. God says, amen. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. That's right. Then you get to the part about the Lord fighting the battle for you, but things don't turn out the way you thought. doesn't make God any less God. It goes back to God causes all things to work together for the good, those who love him. And we go by... The promises of God, not the explanations. I mean, there are explanations in the promises sometimes. Bottom line is, we believe. Though the vineyards, you know, fail. I will trust in the Lord. And when we get to heaven and look back, we say, wow. It's amazing how much God had this totally under his control when I thought he did not. Uh, I would have given up a long time ago were it not for the Holy Spirit to come upon the soul and say, you just keep swinging, you just keep trusting. That's what I want from you. You let the, the, the you know, the body count's going to be the body count. You just trust in me. And that has been a saver. Uh, otherwise, ministry would be miserable. And I do talk about from time to time the, the hardships of public ministry. But I hope I, I balance it with, the blessings of the Lord that go with it. And uh, it just, you, you end up just, yeah, God is right. And it is, comes down to trust. If you had to go into battle with a Bible study or a trust of the Lord, only one you could take. Which one would you take? I would take the trust of the Lord. But I can't get that trust of the Lord without first the Bible study. So which would you rather go into battle with? A sword or iron ore? <laughs> see. You get the sword from the iron ore, but it's not the finished product. So, uh, yeah, courage. Here's another kind of courage. What happens when you fail? You're just not serving the Lord like you should, but you're still trying. Well, why are you still trying? Courage. I feel like if I were king of the forest. (laughs) It's courage. It takes courage to serve God. It takes, okay, here comes the hit. Take it, because he'll, he'll make good when he's good and ready. But that's the problem. Anyway, verse 16. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of Yahweh and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave to the king of Syria. That had to break his heart. It had to break the heart of Isaiah, the prophet, both of them, looking out for, they wanted what God wanted, They wanted to look out for the people. They're at an end of themselves. This was the move they made. I think in hindsight, again, it was the right move. Hindsight for them, not me. The right move because, again, God is purging the land of of the idolaters uh, through these hardships, forcing to come back to Christ even, opportunities to come back. But these two will prevail. Verse 17 then the king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabsaris and Rabshekah I mean, a little music like that. Uh, from Lachish, with a great army against Jerusalem, to King Hezekiah. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. When they had come up, they went and stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the fuller's field. Now is the second attack. I think most serious commentators, they come to the same conclusion. You know, you might, you know, as as you study, you you come to things. you might kick back at them at first. Then you start investigating, and you got to get to your own thinking. You have to get to where, okay, what do I think? I know what he said, I know what he said, but what do I think? And, you know, uh, I agree with many of them that uh, this is the separate attack here. And it is presented that way in 2 Chronicles 32, in fact, I should just uh, read this. We talk, we have this saying, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Well, listen to this in Hezekiah's day. After these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And so there it is. After these deeds of faithfulness, then comes the enemy. And this time the enemy gets to speak. At the walls of Jerusalem, and it will be the voice of Satan. And uh, this is where we are. The visit of the Babylonian ambassadors, it looks suspicious to Assyria. Hezekiah has paid them off to appease them for now. But then they're raising their eyebrows over this. Uh, they're, They're actually knowing that there's some talking between Egypt and Judah because he's going to bring that up in his propaganda monologue so the second visit and that's how I'm going to approach it you could say if you didn't like that approach you could say no the king paid off the king of Assyria and then uh, he didn't care for it and he came down anyway but I, I don't think that fits much of the story He mentions here in verse 18 the great army of Assyria. Well, he comes with enough troops just in case Egypt wants to get involved, to intervene. So he's ready for that and the siege. These are titles here, Tartan, Rapsaris, Rabsheka. They're not personal names. The Tartan is the supreme commander. The Rapsaris is the chief officer. And my favorite, the Rabsheka is uh, the field commander. So, again, I think this is after his near fatal illness that he survived by the hand of God when the, and, and God gave him confirmation. I'm going to turn the sundial back. You'll know that I'm, I'm giving this to you. This time, it's not a bodily illness. It's the Assyrian war machine. But God did not deliver him from sickness to let him die by the sword of the Assyrian. Verse 18, and I think he comes to that conclusion. And when they had called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. So here comes Reb with his entourage. And here's, these are the representatives of the king, Hezekiah, in, in the city. And they're coming out to parlay with each other. Verse 19, Then Rabshakeh said to them, say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this in which you trust? Now it's on. Now we get the voice of the devil because he's making, he's going against Yahweh. What confidence, what confidence is this in which you trust? He's going to attack Yahweh. He's going to lie. The voice of the devil to the people of God. Well, God's people, or should I say God routinely speaks through his people. The voice of God is routinely heard through his people. When you share the gospel, when you share scripture verses, that is the voice of God. Of course, you have to take in consideration the person's relationship with God. But Jehovah Witnesses quoting scriptures, and it's not the voice of God. It would be a very unique situation if it were. The voice of Satan is also heard routinely uh, through people in life, people that blaspheme, the Antichrist voices. Here we're hearing it from the Rabshakeh. Satan is going to speak through this man, you can, you can say, in the heart. He's under the influence of Satan because it is not Yahweh. And he, Satan gets to speak through people more than some care to admit. Listen to what he's going to say. In verses 29 through 33, I'll just take excerpts from that. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. Why? He's our godly king. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in Yahweh, saying, Yahweh will deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hands of the king of Syria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. Do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, Yahweh will deliver us. See, that's the voice of the devil. Don't listen to Jesus, don't listen to your king.
1: Thanks for joining us for today's edition on Cross Reference Radio. This is the daily radio ministry of Pastor Rick Gaston of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville in Virginia. We trust that what you've heard today in the book of 2 Kings has been something to remember. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from this series, go to crossreferenceradio.com. Once more, that's crossreferenceradio.com. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast too so you'll never miss another edition. Just go to your favorite podcast app to subscribe. Our time is about up, but we hope you'll tune in again next time as we continue on in the book of 2 Kings. We look forward to that time with you, so make a note in your calendar to join Pastor Rick as he teaches from the Bible right here on Cross Reference Radio.